I believe that you can achieve anything you want. Anything is possible if you believe in yourself. And a lot of people set self-imposed limits on themselves. And why limit yourself? I'm really excited for today's episode where we're going to be talking to someone who has just won it everything on the outside, whether it's business, whether it's hobby, sport, family. He just wins all the time. And really getting to see behind the scenes that it doesn't always feel like that from the inside, that it doesn't always feel like we're enough. But how do we harness that feeling of not being good enough to go and achieve amazing things in the world? Welcome to The Dream Beyond. I'm your host, Nick Tarasio. I'm a CEO, musician, and overall seeker of truth, inspiration, and simply put, how to live the most fulfilling life possible. Growing up surrounded by extremely wealthy and successful people gave me unique and unfiltered perspectives of those who have seemingly made it. And on The Dream Beyond, we're letting you in on what it really takes to achieve your dreams, what happens when it turns out your destination isn't the promised land you were expecting, and how to process the lessons from your past while mapping a course to true fulfillment. Let's get started. All right, guys, today's guest is Mark Moses. Mark is an impressive guy. He's an author of two books, Make Big Happen and Making Big Happen. Uh, he's also, uh, he's won the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award, completed 12 Ironman triathlons. Above what age were those? Oh, I think the first one was at like 41 through maybe 51. Man, that's impressive. Uh, you have a beautiful family who I've met. Um, just so many other accolades. And again, I could probably burn up the entire podcast talking about those. But some of the ones that really stuck out to me is um, you may have seen Mark in the business world as the guy who wrote in on an elephant to a company meeting, which is just such a flex, such a cool thing to do, really live in the brand. And he's also the founding partner of CEO Coaching International. Uh, and it's the organization that I actually have coaching me uh, through Jerry Perkel, one of his coaches. They've coached 1,300 high-growth CEOs, which is just unbelievably impressive, the amount of people that you guys have affected and just the amount of the world's economy that is affected by the people you guys work with. It's truly, truly impressive. Um, and Mark, I'd love to kind of jump in on the idea of um, you know, talking a little bit about your dreams and how that process went early on in your life. And when did you, like, when did you first know you made it? Because you've had an interesting journey. Well, first of all, Nick, it's good to see you again. And thank you for having me here with you today. And um, it'll be fun just you and I just sharing some stories together. So uh, that's a good question. Uh, when did I think I've made it? I don't think I have yet. Um, I'm, I wake up every day fired up to see if I can make a difference every day. Um, even though I'm 58, I still feel like I'm in my 30s, just aspiring to be somebody someday. So um, I've had some wins along the way. I've had some losses along the way. And uh, I wake up every day energized to um, do something good every day. So in your 20s, it sounds like you had some interesting successes as a leader of your business at the time. There was never a moment for you where you're like, holy shit, I exceeded my own expectations. It was interesting. I read a book. I think I was 20, maybe 23 years old. And, and the book was called, If It Ain't Broke, Break It. And uh, I forget who it was from. 
And then uh, when I finally moved a few years ago, I saw that book sitting on my bookshelf and I took the book out again. And I and one of the questions in the book asked to dream a little bit about what success might mean. And it was fun to do that then. I didn't even remember that I did it. And one of the things I wrote down was win the U.S. squash championship. Um, that was one. Sell my business was another. Um, be a millionaire before I was 30. And then someday um, I did such neat things that I'd get to speak all over the world. And so those are the four things I wrote down. And it was funny. When I was 28, I won the U.S. squash championship. Um, when I sold my business in uh, when I was 26, uh, I now become a millionaire. And, um, and, um, uh, today I speak all over the world and, uh, it's really cool to be able to share my message. And, and, and I think the power behind all of that is if you dream, it'll happen. And we even, uh, every year, my kids don't want to do it anymore. Um, I don't know if they don't want to do it anymore. Or my wife doesn't want to hang that stuff on the fridge anymore. We used to put our goals they were due every uh, January 1st. We'd have at our family meeting on January 1st, everyone would have to review how they did on last year's goals and then present the new goals. And they'd everybody do it in a cool, um, with a pictorial of all the things that they wanted to achieve. So it was really, really neat. And, but it was cool because one year uh, my son put on it that he wanted to do uh, the Antarctica Marathon when he was 14. And it was like, that's pretty big shoes. And uh, and then, of course, he did the Antarctica Marathon. We did it together. My daughter had put on the list one year that she wanted to win the California State for gymnastics. Well, funny thing, she ended up doing that. And then later, I want to go to the University of Michigan. Well, you got that on your goals? Is You post that? And I want to do crew. I want to win a Big Ten ring. It's amazing the power of belief. If you actually write it down and look at it every day, good stuff happens. So I, I believe it's great to have goals, great to have dreams, because if you do, um, it'll happen. We just had one this summer. It was our dream to to take our boat to Europe some sometime. And my wife and I and many friends and family uh, did uh, four months on the boat in Europe this summer. And, uh, and I, I still want to get to a hundred countries. I'm at 97 right now and I'm going to have to up my goal cause I'm going to hit that pretty soon. And, um, so anyway, power of dreams, it just works. So I hear two things that come through on that, which is the, the first thing I want to touch on. I want to split track it. So I don't forget is one, you said that, you know, you still haven't felt like you made it, but you did say that you achieved all of your dreams that you had written down in your twenties. Fair. So is it, is it, is it a moving target for you that you actually, it's the chasing that you're after, not actually the achieving part? So that is a really good question. I reflect on that often. And uh, I think that it's uh, inspiring to be in the game and um, the monetary success, I don't know, or metrics or any that part of it, that may be a scorecard that people use to judge or measure how they're doing. For me, I just like uh, 
setting new goals and going out and seeing what I might be able to achieve, that'd be super fun. And there was, I was inspired by a 21 year old who, um, by the time she was 21, she'd been to every country in the world. And I had these goals that said, I want to go to a hundred of them. And I thought, am I thinking too small? She at 21 has been to all of them already. And so uh, there's a few countries I don't want to go to, but I think I was thinking too small. And uh, as it's time to recast that goal to go to all the countries. So I think I'm chasing the journey uh, more than the destination. Do you take time to celebrate when you achieve the goals? We do. Or are you right on to the next goal? No, okay, we, we do. And it's... Uh, I, my wife and I have a little tradition here at home that, uh, for example, uh, um, we, we, we could turn in alcoholics with this uh, tradition, but every time our firm would land a new client, this has been going on for 15 years, uh, we would celebrate with uh, open a nice bottle of wine. Um, as the firm's gotten bigger, it's been a lot of clients coming on board. So there's been a lot of glasses of wine open or bottles of wine open. So um, we do celebrate. We do, uh, Nick, you know me, I, I like to have fun just doing uh, cool stuff. So, yes, we do pause and celebrate and enjoy along the way. Awesome. And I, I, I think that's such an important thing because I've seen a lot of high achievers that don't do that part where they're like, great, goal done, on to the next thing. And and obviously, I do know that about you, that you have taken a lot of time to invite people out, also enjoy those successes, taking people out on the boat creating really cool experiences. Even your conference seems like, you know, a lot of the conference time was spent celebrating and connecting. So, you know, you know what, there's um, a, um, the and Andre Agassi story taught me a lot. And, um, his dream, if, if you don't know this, uh, was to win the U S open tennis and, uh, and he won it. And then he felt he still wasn't good enough. So, even though he achieved this game, it, maybe I just got lucky this team and, and this time, or I need to validate it. I need to win it again. And then, uh, and then he still wasn't happy winning it. So it was an interesting, I forget the name of his book. I read it several years ago, but it's an interesting story about the, the chase. And then you're still unsatisfied versus like you said, uh, do people pause and celebrate as they go on to whatever they're going to go chase next. So the other piece I wanted to follow, which is an interesting thread, is I think there are people that set goals in their head where it is purely, I want to achieve a number. It's a rational number. I think there are other people that set goals as an emotional state. And what I heard you really talk about was the belief piece, which again, is not in the mind. I think it is in the in the emotional center. So how how do you really make the goal real? How do you make the dream real that you have been able to kind of pull yourself to that reality? And your family, it seems like you've all got a powerful practice for making things actually happen that you set out to do. Yeah, so that's perceptive of you to pick that up. The um, I believe that you can achieve anything you want. Anything is possible if you believe in yourself. And a lot of people set self-imposed limits on themselves and... I, I believe why limit yourself? You you can achieve anything you want if you just believe and you just go after it and will do the work and and do that. So I, I believe very strongly in that. And it's even when I was um it was years ago, um 
at Iron Man in its early days when you would watch it on ABC, Wild World of Sports, and I'd watch that and I go, man, that is so cool. Why would anybody want to put themselves into that pain and do all of that? I thought, man, but that looks so cool. Maybe someday I want to do that. And it wasn't until I was older and I started thinking about that. I think first time I really said, maybe I really am going to do this was when I was 39. And then ended up doing it when my first one when I was 41. So it was, it's interesting that if you believe you can achieve anything. And then, and then I said, man, maybe someday uh, I could do the Hawaii Ironman. But you need to win a race most of the time to get to do that. And uh, so the whole evolution of how to do that. And I've had the opportunity to do the Hawaii Ironman five times. So, and uh, when there's a will, there's a way to make that happen. Again, you keep answering with things where I'm like, there's so many questions that come up because it seems that you've got two unique characteristics. One, I think a lot of people have dreams and they believe, but they don't know how to do it, right? There is still an execution challenge in making any dream a reality. So I am very curious about that piece. And I also think the other thing I hear is, I think when a lot of people dream, there's an unworthiness that says like, yeah, but why? Like, I'm not worthy of that. I'm not good enough to actually achieve that. So I would be curious to know, I mean, again, you, you've, you've raised a family that seems to have these same uh, beliefs in themselves and these same values. How did you figure it out in your own case when you talked about like the squash championship, for example, what made you believe that was even possible for you? And then how did you actually execute on that? Yeah, well, that's a good story. I, I never tell this story. It's really rare. So I played uh, competitive tennis in high school and I was number one in the little town in Canada that I grew up in. And um, then I, our club went bankrupt and uh, it was the only place to play when it was winter about eight months a year. So um, that was the end of my tennis career. I went to college in Canada and um, I tried out for the squash team and I was the last guy cut from the team. And uh, they took eight people. I was number nine and, he told me you just got to work a little harder and maybe try to come back next year. Well, I never did. And um, then I moved to California and the, the club that I joined, um, just the gym that I joined, had four squash courts. And one day I walked up to a guy that looked pretty decent and I said, hey, hey man, uh, I'm Mark. Um, you think we might be able to play squash together sometime? And uh, he said, do you think you can play at my level? I said, I don't think so, sir, but um, I'm a pretty good athlete and I'll give it all I got and uh, we'll get to know each other and we'll have some fun. He said, son, when you think you can play at my level, you come back and talk to me. So he turned me down and, and I was pissed. And uh, my dream was I need to just beat this guy's ass. And so I practiced, I played with other guys and finally uh, um, this guy agreed to play with me and he beat the shit out of me. And it was fine. And, uh, but he liked my spirit. And he was, I don't know, maybe 20 years older than I was. And he's really good. But eventually I beat him. I beat him once. And then again. And then I dusted the floor with him every single time. And even though I still liked the guy, I needed to upgrade my game. And I stopped playing with him because I needed better talent to play with. And, uh, but that's how I got hooked. And then the first time, uh, first, I start playing tournaments. And then I, I joined the U.S. Championship, and it was in Houston that year. I was an unseated guy, 
and ended up winning the tournament. And it was like, wow, that's unbelievable. I didn't even think I could win the tournament. It was just, wow, this is really, really cool that I was able to do that. That's impressive. So I, I have to ask the question because I've seen both sides of this. Some people succeed because they never believe that they're enough and they're trying to feel like they're enough. Other people succeed because they think that they're already enough and they deserve everything. So was your more that your approach more that you believed you were deserving of everything or was there some like, I got to prove it. I got to prove I'm worthy. Nick, I still feel like I'm Rudy. Um, from the movie Rudy. I still, every day, I just feel that way. I hope it never changes because I really like the, I like feeling like the underdog. I have always felt like the underdog my whole life. I still do. And, um, and I like it. It drives me to be better. That's powerful. It's good to know the why, right? For, for a lot for, of people, I think they don't know that. We watch that movie. But I watch it with my wife and kids, and they know exactly where I'm going to cry every single time. And I still do <laughs> in the same place every time. I, I just, I don't know. I got, uh, I, growing up in a small town, being a little guy, um, it's, I, it, this is a funny story. I think it was the sixth grade. We used to play King of the Hill. Um, um, you know, you get big, the snow plows would make a big um, pile of snow and we'd see who could knock each other off the hill. And being a little guy, man, I was always getting my ass knocked off the hill. This one day I tackled this guy, Peter Fish, and I knocked him off the hill. And for about 10 seconds, I owned the hill. Um, man, that felt good. And until uh, he clobbered me, um, which is fine. I probably deserved it. But it was, uh, it was cool to feel like... Um, you keep trying and get back up, run up the hill. There's a day you might win. So how has a guy that identifies in some ways as a Rudy character lead the leaders of the world? How did you have the confidence to now, I mean, build an organization that truly impacts the world on such a large scale, given that you are, you know, you're dealing with the people who are at the front lines of all of this stuff. Yeah. Well, slowly, um, how it started was, um, in 2008, I said to my wife, hey, uh, Warren Buffett's having this event in, uh, in Omaha like he does every year for his shareholders. I think we should go. And she says, why would I want to do that? I said, I don't know. We sold our business like two years ago. We got nothing going on. Maybe we go learn something. Uh, so why don't we go? She goes, well, I don't really want to go, but if you really want to go, we'll go. EO was having some parties and YPO was having some parties. And uh, we, we went, I met this guy named Joe at the party at one of the parties at the EO party. And Joe said, just coincidentally, hey, would you be my business coach? I said, business coach? To do what, Joe? And um, he said, help me with my business. I said, I don't know, maybe a couple months. So that's almost 15 years ago now. And um, so it's amazing how that got started. It happened slowly and organically. The first six years, it was just me. And then I reached out to a buddy and said, hey, I got more clients than I have time for. Would you be willing to help me? And he said, sure, that sounds like fun. And then two guys that you know um, had just exited their businesses and 
I said, what are you guys doing now? I said, hey, you want to join me? You guys have been great clients and you want to help some other guys. So it, it grew very organically and slowly. And then in 2018, we got really intentional about growing the business. Like, like we are going to be the global leader at this. And uh, from we were 6 million in revenue in 2017. And this year we did 40. And uh, so we really scaled it. We have dreams to take this thing to 200 million in top line uh, over the next uh, five years. And, uh, and it's not the top line that motivates us. It's really having a global impact um, on so many leaders and the CEO, the leaders in their firm, the people that their employees that they work with and the families that they impact. And it's really fun to make that difference all around the world. That's impressive. Again, it just seems like you have the DNA for winning at whatever game you play. And, and, uh, you know, when I, when I talk to people on this podcast, it really is curious to hear what drives fulfillment for them. And it sounds like just being in the game and playing beyond your own expectations seems to give you a lot of sense of meaning. Is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, I kid around a lot about that very topic. And I was just talking to somebody yesterday about winning. And, um, and like, I do everything for fun. I, I really like to have fun. And, uh, and it's really fun when I win. And uh, so I, I really do like to win. And I'll make every effort, even as the underdog, to try and win. Um, it, it's pretty cool. How does that transition to, you know, again, you are leading all these people. You had a period of time where you were coaching a lot of people yourself. Uh, I'd be curious to know how you've helped steer some of those people to their own sense of fulfillment. Again, this idea of they've already achieved maybe the early dreams of success, but that deeper thing that they're after, the deeper why that they're going after. What have you seen really helps people get closer to fulfillment as you've coached them? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting question. It leaves me with a few thoughts. One of them is, um, I'm going to write one of these down because you'll find it funny. I want to share it with you. Um, it's about uh, the summit we were just at together. Um, the, um, when I had um, my mortgage company, which was really successful, we grew to 1.6 billion in annual business and back then in those, those are meaningful numbers. Um, and, um, it wasn't as moving for me. It wasn't as purposeful because we might do a thousand transactions a month and never meet any of the customers, never talk to any of the customers. It wasn't as fulfilling. What is neat about what we do today, helping leaders, um, be better is super fulfilling. And, so I get people call me up from all over the world and say, I just sold my business um, and uh, I'm trying to figure out what to do next. And it's like, well, what do you really want to do? What really drives you when you get out of bed in the morning? What, what's the dream that you really have or you really want? And uh, for a lot of people, they don't know. And um, it, it's really trying to, like I like to say to them that, all right, if you take out a blank sheet of paper and you pick whatever age you are today, and let's say a leader is 45 years old, and you wake up and it's three years from now, you're 48 years old, and you're living the dream, what does that look like? 
And why does it matter? It's pretty clarifying, one, on what success is for me, whoever that person is, determining what they really want. And then why does it matter? But like, are they motivated for the right reason? And um, so but you ask some follow-ups around that. And while when you achieve that, how are you feeling? And what impact does that have on you, your family, your life, your business, your hopes, dreams, and aspirations? And um, so I think it's important um, to think about what will be totally fulfilling for that, that person at that stage of their life. And that can change over time. Now, it's funny, we, you and I were at the Make Big Happen Summit together. And um, on opening day, we had all the guys that built billion-dollar businesses. They got to speak. On day two, we had the guys that built businesses that were between $100 million and a billion. And uh, so we, I, I kid this one guy, um, Rick Stern, had just sold his business for $710 million. And he said, man... Um, I got to go build another business because I'm not even good enough to get opening day. And uh, it was really interesting thinking of that perspective. Wait a minute, dude. You and your business partner built this business from scratch to uh, an incredible business that you sold for $710 million. And now he's going, well, that just wasn't good enough. So it was Wherever you are, there will be people that have achieved more than you have, and that's okay. But for him, it might have been inspiring to get him back in the game to go do something else. Are there some common thread lines or through lines you've seen that just again and again, and really more to the high achiever mentality, because I think some of the least fulfilled people are the high achievers. Um, have you seen things where it's like, it's just uh, this common theme that keeps coming up when you talk to them about what really drives them and what, what fulfillment means to them? Some people don't really know. And they get up every day and they just do. And then they wake up one day and they go, I'm 55 years old. I've been doing the same thing for 25 years. I'm tired. I'm not motivated. I don't know why I do this anymore. I think it's just regrounding yourself in terms of what is your why? why? Why do you do it? And why does it even matter? I think, I think that that's really important. Uh, and then there are others on the other side of it very, very clear on what it is that they want to achieve. I want to do X by this period of time, and I want to do it because this is meaningful to me, and or I'm making a difference in the world, or I'm creating something brand new that's going to revolutionize whatever I'm revolutionizing. Um, I, I think it's different. I think my learning along the way, when I, when I was at my mortgage company, what I learned was... I was just done. Um, and I, I was done because I, I got bored. And um, and then I got lucky. I sold my mortgage business in 2006 at the end of 2006. Oh, my God. If you're ever nice. going to sell a mortgage company and you sell it before Lehman and Bear Crash, that's just lucky. And uh, so anyway, for me, uh, 
I think having a purpose and doing what you're doing is really cool. It's even like take some of you've met a lot of our coaches, Nick. They're uh, they range in age from early 50s to um, late 60s. And um, what really drives them at this stage of their life is getting up every day and doing something meaningful and purposeful by helping others. And you know what else is really neat for us doing what we do is we like to say when one teaches to learn and we learn mm. as much as uh, when we're given, we're also learning at the same time. How often have you seen where someone comes to that moment of going on board? I'm sick of this. I want out. I want to find something else. They sell their company and then they have seller's remorse where they go, you know, actually at the end of the day, I missed that game. Yeah, I thought you were going to ask a different question, um, but I'll answer that one. Um, so let me go back to Rick Stern, um, who we just talked about a moment ago. He sold his business on December 28th of 2021. I was out on a run that morning and had my listening to a book and, um, and my phone rings. And um, it's December 28th and uh, it's Rick. And I knew the deal was closing today, um, so or that day. And I said, "Hey, Rick, what's going on? Uh, good morning. I'm I'm on a run here." Uh, uh, he goes, uh, "You know what? Um, this is the first time I've ever been unemployed. It's today, and uh, I, I need to figure out what I'm going to do next. I'm I'm going to go crazy. Hey, can you hold a minute, Mark? Yeah, yeah. What's going on? Are the banks on the phone? Um, yeah. Okay. I'll I'll wait." Um, so it was the bank on the phone trying to clear the wire, needed confirmation on the wire. So the wire didn't even hit his bank yet, and he was already panicking about what he was going to do next. It was like, wow, dude, why don't you take a bit of time and just chill out and relax and uh, go enjoy yourself, your family, a hobby, anything. Take a year and figure out what you're going to do next. Amazing, right? Yeah. I mean, I imagine that uh, it's probably really uncomfortable to have to sit with oneself. I mean, that goes back to like meditation, all these other practices I've tried for centering and heard from other entrepreneurs. It's real hard when you take away all the distractions that allowed you not have to face that inner stuff. Yeah. I found that um, you asked about buyer's remorse and um, there's a, there's a huge buildup for people when they go to sell their business. And I think we've had, I think it's 59 of our clients that have exited now. And, um, and some of them for really big numbers, six of them were over a billion dollars. And um, the, um, the, the day after and the month after, um, there's a bit of a, you, you got that, yeah, I got it done. And then there's the, oh, now what? And that now what is, that's the most frustrating part because I had an identity in what I was doing before and now I don't. There was a friend of mine that was running uh, this, um, uh, one of the uh, top banks in the United States. And um, and then he left that and, and he became... Uh, a professional speaker. He's speaking all over the world and stuff like that. And as he was building his speaking practice, he said, um, 
I used to be the man and um, when I was running the bank and I went from lender to vendor, I could get anybody on the phone anytime because I had power and I was running one of the largest banks in the country. But now I was pitching my speaking services and nobody gave a crap about what I was doing. So there was a real, well, this kind of sucks being in this place that I didn't expect I would find myself here. So that feeling of emptiness. I've sold two companies personally. And it's cool for about a week. And then it's, if that long, and then you start beginning up. Uh, what am I going to do with myself? For me, I started, I trained like a professional triathlete um, and uh, and I didn't have enough people to train with me because it, all my friends had day jobs. And uh, so it was a lot of time in my own head, ride my bike all over town and or many towns. And um, I don't know, it's a it's different perspective. Um, that's why I think determining what you want um, really matters and that can evolve for all of us. So I'm curious in your case, again, because you've had so much uh, success, at least from everybody else's perspective, again, you may still feel like Rudy, but uh, what is the dream beyond for you? What do you, what do you dream of today when you wake up? I, um, I love what I do professionally. And my dream today is to become the uh, McKinsey of the coaching space globally. So not playing in the world McKinsey's playing in, but the level below McKinsey, but everybody in the world knows what we do. And ideally, it's the place where the private equity, the, the operating partners of private equity firms come to us to help them protect their investment. And, um, and what this does like there's some really neat things about what we do. One, we get to help people all over the world. And what I recognized later was not the, the ripple effect into their communities and lives of so many people that ripple so far um, is really cool. It also is really cool for the community of coaches. I, I didn't realize this when we started doing this. It was just a few of us buddies initially. But today, our community of coaches of about 60 coaches former who's who of business um, around the world. It's a really cool community. And um, it gives those guys and gals a place to really do something meaningful and purposeful for them at this stage of their life and build a really unique community of the former who's who of business. And that is um, that, too, is a secondary benefit that has become really impactful and and purposeful to me, this community that we can all learn from each other and this fraternity or sorority-like feeling that we have amongst us. Well, I appreciate what you've done. I mean, I've been part of EO, Summit Series, YPO, all these different communities, and I really was blown away by the conference that you guys threw. Um, it just... The quality of the whole experience, the quality of the people, the openness of the people, the fact that I did feel people were there really to connect with others. And I've not always felt that at other groups I've been to. It seemed like it was more insular. So you know, again, I'm just grateful to be you know, uh, able to be in that ecosystem and to have the support of you and Jerry and the rest of the team. It was really um, fun. Really, really appreciate it. Was th thank you. It was really fun for us too. 
oh my God, with COVID, uh, we had to cancel. Uh, and um, so it'd been three and a half years since we had done one. So we had all this energy. Um, and I found it um, really, really inspiring. And uh, for many, uh, the highest rated speaker at that event. And I want to do a shout out to him because it was so, so, so moving. Like, who has their own DJ on stage, right? Uh, Jesse Itzler uh, just was, what a cool guy. And how meaningful that uh, that talk that he did and how passionately he did it. Uh, to me, that was the, um, it, it, that really inspired a lot of conversation for many people that were there. Um, that And people are still talking about it. And uh, just connecting with so many people, just, they were there to meet others and and feel the inspiration and love from each other. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, and actually, I just got Jesse's big ass calendar uh, in the mail today, and I'm uh, he's one of the people I'd love to get on the show at some point. But I was moved to as a musician, seeing a guy who took his music career and found a way to spin it into his talks to business communities and having more impact through speaking. Really cool to see that done in just such a creative, awesome way. Well, follow up with me. I'll, I'll get you his uh, his number so you can uh, just send him a text and see if you can get him. It'd be amazing to have him on your show. I don't know what you'll do. Are, are, yeah. are you going to you, be the DJ for him? If I'm on this Whatever show. it takes. Yeah, man. That, it, <laughs> he's a really, really... Uh, I, I thought that was so terrific. Uh, really cool. I haven't got my calendar yet, but I'm looking forward to getting mine too. Absolutely. Well, I, I appreciate all you shared today. And I, again, so much you said, I think resonates uh, with, I imagine, you know, other high achievers definitely resonates for me. But the two things that I'm really still processing as we're speaking is this idea of really getting super clear on what success means to you. And I, I don't know that for me. I really thought I did. But in a lot of ways, I was using other people's definition of success. So that is something I hope to reflect on, especially in the next coming weeks with kind of coming to the end of the year, or the start of a new year. Um, the other piece I really liked is I think so often we don't allow ourselves to be motivated by negative shit, which is like, yeah, I just want to crush someone. I just want to absolutely beat someone's ass who made me feel small. And great. If that's the motivation to go do something extraordinary, then go for it. Obviously, you don't physically hurt anybody, ideally, you know, and don't make the world a worse place. But I think sometimes being motivated by just like the desire to prove oneself, if that's what it takes to get the engine going. I think there's really something to be said for that. And I'm sure we could all channel our Rudy's, our inner Rudy character. Well, there's so many leaders like that. Uh, think about Jobs, Steve Jobs. And uh, man, what it must have felt like um, getting exited out of your own company and then finding a way back into your own company and then to think that we all have, like, I wish Jobs were alive today to see the impact that his firm continues to have but wow what demons he had going on in his early days i don't know if you read that big book that he wrote uh pretty amazing and even think of guys like warren buffett uh just pursuing his dream still it was he about 90 years old now or almost 90 and uh and still on top of his game and then in the news every day these days is elon musk who's continues to revolutionize all kinds of industries. He's got himself upside down here with uh, Twitter at the moment. And uh, um, the Tesla stock is plummeting at the moment. And 
I don't know. Um, I'd be betting on Musk to figure it out because he seems to, for whatever his reasons are, continues to figure out as he continues to revolutionize entirely different industries. Yeah, I mean, I, I do wonder the inner workings of people like that. Like, how much are they just trying to prove to themselves their worth, right? Or just make an example of others. I mean, I think that's why they said Trump ran, right? It was ultimately he got insulted at the the um, press correspondence dinner. And I think they said in that moment, he decided, now I'm going to be president just to prove you wrong. I think I totally thought, speaking to Trump for a minute, when he first ran and there's all these people on stage, um, it's going, are you kidding me? This guy? There's no way. And uh, all of a sudden, one at a time, one at a time. And I bet you one day he went, wow, it's a possibility I might be able to win this thing. Right. I don't think he believed it from the yeah. beginning. I thought he, I thought it, it was, he probably figured it out along the way. Um, so um, who knows? Talk about a story of fake it till you make it. Totally. Right? That feels like a very large scale version it's of that. Amazing. And we, there have been <laughs> other guys. I look at Clinton as a, as a, uh, a president that uh, came out of, out of nowhere. I remember you weren't at the summit where um, I interviewed President George W. Bush. And he, it's a really interesting story of how these guys evolve. And finally, all of a sudden, they, uh, all the failures that they go through that most people don't remember. And then, uh, somehow they find a way to become president and it's uh president of the United States is super, super cool. Um, everybody's got a story. Everybody has a journey. And, um, I, you know, at the end of, at the end of the day, I, I believe this, uh, there are three kinds of people, uh, those that make big happen, those that let things happen. And those that ask what happened. I don't know. We all get to decide that, right? Yeah. yeah. What a great, what a great way to close it too. I mean, I think for everyone who's listening, I just hope that you get a little bit from Mark's message around the fact that you could probably go way bigger than you think you ever could. Uh, and I think that's really the magic of people that are high achievers. It's swing above your pay grade, go make some magic happen. And in the meantime, if you get a chance, check out Mark's books, make big happen and making big happen. Uh, and if you're in any form of competitive, anything, whether it's business, sports, how to win at life, go get a coach uh, check out uh, CEO Coaching International as well if you are playing big and want to go way bigger, maybe even take your company to an exit. And again, Mark, I just really appreciate you being here and taking the time. And I'm grateful for your friendship as always. Nick, you're a good guy. I love every time I get to see you. It's been a few times lately uh, in the last, uh, uh, or this year anyway. So it's really awesome. And uh, congrats on what you do. And I, I love what you, the messaging in your podcast here. Um, it's um, it's really cool. And Hope you get uh, uh, future really cool candidates. If if there's ever one that you see in our roster that you want to talk to, just reach out. And I'm happy to help make that happen anytime. Will do. Thanks for the support. And again, appreciate the time. Okay. All the best to you. Cheers. Thank you for listening to The Dream Beyond. I hope that you received whatever message or inspiration you were meant to get from today's episode. I had a great time recording it for you. If you love the show, please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review it. It really helps get the word out. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Instagram.com slash Nick Tarasio, LinkedIn.com slash in slash Nick Tarasio, 
or youtube.com slash nterasio.